Welcome to our leadership series on the sofa with Angie. Today's special guest is Natalie Cramp, who is the CEO of Profusion. Natalie, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So Natalie, um, you've had an amazing career sort of squiggling across different industry sectors. Um, I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about your career path and, and how you've arrived at being the CEO of Profusion. Of course. Um, so really, my career, I think, has been um, can be described as connecting people and technology to solve big problems. Um, so I started at Deloitte um, as a management consultant, working with businesses, both private and public sector, to be able to tackle some of their people related challenges and um, support them in both growth and more challenging circumstances. Um, then I landed a dream job um, trying to help build the 200,000 workforce, including the 70,000 volunteers that we needed for the London 2012 Games. And I'm very passionate about sport so, um, and volunteering, in fact. So it was really um, a dream come true to be part of the London 2012 team. And after that, I went on to set up the Mayor's Legacy Programme from London 2012, um, which was all about how we could mobilise Londoners to give back to their city and support young people to volunteer as a route to work, um, but also support third sector with um, training and infrastructure um, to enable them to do more with less, which ultimately they um, are consistently having to do, as unfortunately we continue to have challenging societal problems. Um, and we managed to mobilise over a million Londoners to give back and win European volunteering capital which was a really lovely um, end to three years um, in trying to create a legacy which was sort of recognized in that way um, but a key passion and bugbear of mine had always been about careers and the poor career support provided to young people and lack of consistent business engagement in it and that's not to say there weren't pockets of excellence going on but very few people certainly of my age if you walked into a room and said um, put up your hand if you received good careers guidance at school, put up your hand if you met organisation, someone from an organisation who wasn't frankly someone's dad or mum, and normally dad in those days from the school, um, from one of your peer group. Um, and so when the careers and enterprise company was set up, um, and I met the CEO and the board there um, who were really on a mission to try and um, bring together the fragmented careers landscape and try and improve the um, connection between businesses and employers and later the overall careers provision in schools, it was very hard to say no to going and helping them on their mission. Um, and so I moved there and was there for two years um, scaling that really, really quickly um, to be able to try and support all schools across England um, and mobilizing the technology and the um, data infrastructure that was needed to support that because data was really key to understand where were the most challenging areas, where did people need most help, both in terms of location, but also in terms of the type of support that they needed. and. Um, the um, how were they doing against international best practice um, at a school by school level and in a local area level so you could then guide investment you could guide employers to go to the right places um, and now um, from there I lead Profusion as you said which enables me to continue my passion of solving problems for people I really I'm a fixer I hate problems I can't fix um, and um, really a lot of my career has been about how do you start to tackle some of these problems be they for businesses or society um, we're a data agency and consultancy who support brands from big brands like HSBC to 
majestic to small startups like OPR to use their data to ensure they have both efficient operations, um, you know, whether that's about improving their operations and their manufacturing process or whether that's about building a more inclusive organization by using data in their HR function and a great customer experience by using data to connect individuals um, who are customers with the brand um, that they're, they're connecting with. Um, we've also got a foundation that looks to use data for social impact. So my passion for society gets to continue there and a training arm, um, which is our data academy, um, which is where I try and make sure that people get the training they need to make sure they can use data effectively in their day to day roles, um, because it's going to be part of all of our day to day roles. And um, I wish I knew what I knew now about data when I'd been in previous jobs. And I feel it's still too kept behind walls of um, really tech, tech savvy people. And actually it's something that everybody should have access to understand. Um, and also um, to try and get more diverse young people into the profession, because whilst they're all very lovely, I am very surrounded by white men in my profession and I'm trying to help change that. Um, so that's sort of been my squiggle. Um, and that's where I am now, which hopefully sort of brings all of the different things I've done before together. Thank you. And what an inspirational career journey. Um, and what I love is that, you know, throughout your career, you've been guided by passion, purpose, social impact, making a difference, helping others. How have you successfully sort of taken those sort of transferable skills and passions and applied them to different industry sectors? Yeah, I think... Um making career transitions can be difficult and I think you don't necessarily realize some of the transferable skills you have till you get there and you realize because when you're in an organization and you've all been trained the same you all sort of operate the same and actually it's when you take the skills from that industry to another one you can see how you can apply them and help others um so I think um understanding the skills that you do have and recognizing their value and not being afraid to ask questions of the things that you don't understand. People I think are very open to help um, and are much more open to you and your suggestions if you show that you're trying to cross over, that you're trying to transition, that you're trying to understand. I moved to the charity sector who are notoriously resistant to people who have come from the private sector and, and were, but I managed to build relationships there and um, be able to be included in things but you do have to put in the hard yards like the first year I was at events every week just sort of go to the events in the sector to show my face to go and make friends with people um, and to show them that I was I was really interested and I cared and by the end of my time in that role I was being invited to everything and you know being on stage at those events and you'd sort of made that transition um, and it's also sort of making sure that you contextualize your experience so when I was talking to somebody from the charity sector when I was at Team London, I would talk about the fact that I'd just come from the London Olympics because that they could connect with that and um, they felt it was more relevant to their sector. When I was asking one of the businesses to sponsor one of our programmes, I would talk about my time at Deloitte because they could connect with that and thought, oh, well, she understands what it's like to work in our industry. And I think, you know, making sure that in anything you're doing, you contextualise it for the people that you're trying to engage um, and you draw on your different experience to do that is important. Um, and I think you also really have to do your research. Like if you're interviewing for a job where you are not the obvious candidate because you haven't grown up through that, 
you're going to have to persuade me to take a risk on you over somebody who I know is going to be safe because they've done it, they've done it before. And so you sort of have to show me why your transferable skills will work and that you get it. Um, I find it amazing how many people I interview still, and bearing in mind, I mainly do second stage, who haven't bothered to read our website or like notice on my profile that I've been very involved in charities. And so mention the fact that we have a foundation um, or have gone and talked to a customer about the types of things we're doing for brands. Um, and so um, I do think you need to do your research and really show that you can connect it, like talk to other people who are in the industry before you go to that interview. I'll forever be grateful to a lady called Helen, who is a charity CEO I spoke to before I interviewed at Team London to brainstorm my ideas for my presentation with, because I had to persuade them that I got the charity sector. And so I think if you're going to leap between different industries, you do have to work a bit harder to do it. But once you do and you get in, you'll realize that actually you'll, you should be able to fly because if you can do that hard work and you can bring your transferable skills, um, then you can really make an impact because there are so many learnings between uh, the different industries that quite often we don't see because not enough people make the leap. Absolutely. And you've picked up on quite a lot of points there, which I think, you know, our community can really benefit from. And, and the first one is the importance of preparation. And I think sometimes we underestimate the importance of doing our research, whether that's for an interview or it's before a big client meeting. Um, and then actually tailoring your, your opening pitch and your elevator pitch to that person or that organisation. And I think particularly with regards to career transitions, um, people can teach skills to you. You can learn about the company product, but what you, what's much more difficult to teach is the passion. It's the excitement, the dedication, the commitment to a cause. And so I think if you can demonstrate those things and understand where your transferable skills are and how it relates to that particular company and industry sector, the other parts you can learn quite easily and go on a couple of courses. So I think those are really important points. The other one that you mentioned as well is with regards to networking and the importance of establishing yourself um, within those networks. In, at a time when networking events aren't really on the agenda at the moment, how can people go about networking in an online environment? Um, so just to say a word first on the transferable piece and the showing of passion, um, I think it's really, really important. And um, there's a lady called Amy who I hired when I was at City Hall and she was up against people from the third sector and she was working in hotels at the time. But she had designed this whole programme to support unemployed people to get into work in her hotel. And she had found charity partners and she'd done it all. And um, I remember doing the interview with her and just thinking, you have done that in spite of your job, not because of your job. And everybody else I'm interviewing is doing it as part of their job. But you, despite having a really busy full-time job, despite having hotels to open during London 2012, you have decided that you care enough that you're going to go and proactively put all of this together. And, for, you know, she was one of the best hires I've ever made. But she really showed me that she cared and she would make the effort to do it because she'd already done that. And so why wouldn't I hire into my team to continue to work on um, sort of young people programmes? Um, and similarly for me, in making the leap between a lot of these jobs, volunteering has been absolutely critical. Um, I've done a lot of volunteering throughout my time and it's given me the skills and experience to help me move between these jobs where the job I'm doing 
doesn't necessarily tick all those boxes for the next job. So, um, for example, I'd been a school governor, I'd been a charity trustee before I interviewed with Team London. So when they said, how are you going to be able to support the charity sector? I could say, well, you know, I've been in a small charity. I've been a trustee of one. I've also volunteered for a huge amount of one. And this is, you know, and I've talked to charity CEOs and these are the things that matter. And therefore, here would be my plan if I came into this role. So I think it's there's lots of ways to get that extra experience. But, um, you know, it might be a project outside of your day job in your current job to enable you to move to the next promotion. But being proactive and finding those opportunities is really, really important. And then, yes. Everyone tells you about networking. I remember when I first started out and I was like, oh, it feels so cringy. Like, why would any of these people want to talk to me? Like, I'm just me. And, you know, they're, they're really busy with a job. And what would I talk to them about? And um, I think it's, it is tricky. Um, I actually, you realise it as you move through the ranks, you realise that it becomes much more natural. And it is just sort of in your day job. Like, it's good to make friends with people who are in similar jobs to you because you're going to have similar pressures and it's really nice over breakfast or a zoom call or a phone call or a drink to just have a bit of a rant <laughs> some of the things that happen and um, because they understand it better than anybody else um i think in terms of networking remotely um i think be brave um, if there's somebody you really want to speak to because of their experience or you really want some input from, whilst it's hard to get out and meet them, we're actually less busy than we were before. And so if you reach out on LinkedIn and say, look, you know, this is who I am. This is why um, I would just love a remote coffee with you. Like it feels really awkward for the first five minutes, but you've only got to talk to them for 30 minutes and then you can leave and um, you'll get really valuable input. And I think people love to be useful. It's really flattering if somebody reaches out to you and says that. You think, oh gosh, didn't realise I had any wisdom to share. So, um, and most of us have been there and we want to we want to help people. So I think, you know, try to do that, but also just you don't let yourself get hidden behind a screen where there's company online events, make an effort with them, where there's opportunities to go to online events um, through your company, like do it. You can still volunteer. You can still get involved in those sorts of things remotely. You can, you know, sport is back. That's been a great place um, where I've met people through playing sport. And um, one of them actually went on to do my job um, after I left at Team London. And before that, we'd planned a massive event for young people together because she ended, she was working in a parallel industry. So, you know, there are all these different places where you can meet people. And I think don't hide behind the screen, don't hide behind, I've just got to get my day-to-day -day job done and do try and take the opportunities that are there in this sort of semi-remote world. That's some great advice there. And, and, you know, there are so many opportunities now to connect with people across multiple channels. Um, and as you said, a lot of people are more accessible than they used to be in a sort of purely uh, physical uh, environment. So you've talked a lot about the, the sort of charity work that you've done, the volunteering, you're the CEO of a company. How do you manage your time so that you're still performant and not burning out with all of these um, other sort of passions that you're working on? Um, so I'll be honest, I'm not perfect at it. And I think that's really important to say because we all have days where we just think, oh my God, how am I going to do all of this? And I just can't see the wood for the trees. And this is like this relentless treadmill that I'm not going to get out of. And I, I think people, when they talk at events, tend to talk about the highs, tend to talk about 
the good bits tend to tell you to like reach for the stars. And I think it's really important to just recognize that we all fall apart sometimes and none of us are perfect and all of us get nervous about things. And um, sometimes we just feel like we're sinking. I think in those times, I think, well, to start with, I have some really strict like diary and inbox rules. It's basic, but it's important. Um, you, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a PA who helps maintain said diary rules, but even before I did, um, making sure that you've got blocks of time to actually do work, making sure that you put those times in, the, as soon as almost something comes in, you're putting that in the diary, because if you fill it up with meetings, you know, have some time held for emergency stuff will come up, um, because it will. And so don't be unrealistic that that's not gonna happen in your week. And I think consistently, particularly, I'm part of, um, you know, we're growing quite fast as a company and I regularly review where I'm spending my time and is it the most effective use of my time? And are there things where actually I need to go for 10 minutes, not for the whole hour meeting? Are there meetings I no longer need to be in, but I'm just going to because I was going to them because I did need to be in them three, six months ago. And so I think it's really important to stay constantly disciplined about that. Um, I, um, I like the agile methodology. So I have a must should could parked will not do whatever you want to call it list every week so um you really focus on like I've just as long as I get through the must do you know what I've achieved something and the other thing I did in lockdown when I was finding it quite hard was have a wins and losses thing on the door behind me um because it was feeling quite difficult and I just needed to remind myself of all the wins with all the good stuff that was happening and I think as particularly as leaders we can focus on all the problems and when you're not in the office to get energy from people it was quite hard to it was quite easy to sort of look at that and hard to see the good things that were happening and so it was actually really important just to have them in front of me which I think links to another thing which is about finding your joy like you I don't know how people do demanding jobs I can see why they would do a job that fits in to allow their lifestyle but if you're doing a demanding job, you've got to like what you do because you're going to spend a lot of time doing it. And it's never going to be realistic to do it completely nine to five, but you can work flexibly thanks to fantastic technology now and fit your life in around it. And um, so I think you've got to enjoy what you do. And then you've got to realize the bits of it you really enjoy. Um, when um, I remember when I hired Joe to come and work with me at City Hall and he'd been working in a youth charity before that we'd worked with. And he, I remember him saying, he's a very upbeat person. He said to me, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like spreadsheets and reporting and stuff, isn't there, Natalie? And I said, yes, do you remember when I used to randomly phone you and say, Joe, will you let me, um, will you let me know where we're delivering into schools this week? Because um, I need to go and see one in action. And he was like, ah, I now know why you did that. And because every so often when I was sort of doing the things where you're battling with problems, I just needed to see the programme delivering to young people and see the impact on the young people. And that was my joy and that was why I was doing it. Um, you know, recently we've been able to go, we've been able to actually go into the office a bit and I've actually been able to see my team. And I feel so much better as a result of that because I get my energy from people. I enjoy seeing them grow. And um, it's really nice to actually see them making things happen and um, enjoying being together. Um, and I think that's really important and different things for different people like some of my team get their joy from writing a really cool algorithm and that's where they get their joy from but I think it's important to work it out and make sure you schedule some of that joy into your week like every single week um, to make sure that you lift up 
Um, and I think the other thing that's really important in terms of managing yourself is also knowing where your refuge is as well as your joy. So what is it that supports you to be able to do what you do? And whether that's like for me, I play sport, I find exercise a great way to get out the frustrations. I am actually terrible at continuing to work if because there's always things that you should do. But if I am going to play netball with my netball team, I'm not going to let them down. So I leave in order to get there. And actually, by the time you finish the match, nothing seems as critical and rapidly it can wait till tomorrow and it will be fine. So, um, and you sort of de-stress. So for me, that's it. For other people, it will be reading a book or um, sometimes, you know, it's collapsing in front of Netflix and watching something totally trashy. Um, but yes, find your joy and find your refuge and make sure there's time for those in your week to keep you, to keep you strong. And, you know, it is okay to say to somebody, no, I'm busy, when being busy is you eating lunch or you going to the toilet because people do seem to not remember that actually you need to go to the toilet in a day and they do like to pick you in meetings all day, every day. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself and um, you have to look after it. And when you feel yourself spiraling, which I think we all do, um, certainly I do and know others who do, know what you can do to pull yourself back. So whether that's, being able to take some time off, whether that's being able to just sit down and say, where's my time going? Where does it actually need to go? Most of us aren't going to kill people if something doesn't happen, where most of us are lucky enough not to have jobs that, that you know, if you get it wrong, someone dies. Um, and I think sometimes you just have to tell yourself that it's only this, like the world is not going to fall down. Well, you know, what, what do I really, really, what are my musts? What are the things I really have to get through? Let's just focus on those. Let's just start ticking off the list and let's not worry about the rest of it because the rest of it will come. Um, and I think that's really important. And then having your support network. Um, who's your team me? Who are the people that you tell? Sometimes you need to tell people, I need you to tell me that if I'm texting me at 10 o'clock at night and if I'm still working, tell me I have to switch off my laptop. Or if I'm not, you know, if I'm not in bed by whatever time, please tell me off. Uh, whatever you need to do um, to, to help you to look after yourself, whoever you need to talk to, whether that's, peers in your sector or whether that's your friends and family um, make sure that that's part of your life because um, it's really important you have your support network because none of us can do it on our own. Absolutely and what a great way to uh, end our interview today is find your joy, find your passion, purpose, know what fills your cup up again and make sure that you've got a great support network around you. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's been such a pleasure to interview you today. And uh, so, so thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And